Today, I want us to turn our attention to a brand new series. It is called Paul's Letter to the Philippians. What we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're just going to take some time and dive in to a book of the Bible. It's actually a letter written by a pastor to the church that he planted. Uh, There's a church in the city of Philippi that the Apostle Paul planted. And what I love about this letter, and I'm going to try to restrain myself from giving you all the background and history on the letter uh, right now because I I want that to come out throughout this series. But this is a beautiful letter that's written from the heart. There's a lot of emotion in this letter. It's written from the heart of the Apostle Paul to a church he planted. He loved this church. And 10 years later, he wrote them a letter and said, man, I just want to see you continue to grow in the Lord. I just want to see you hear the pastor's heart coming out for for his church in this letter. So what I'm going to do is we're going to dive right into it. And then I'm going to start kind of breaking it out as we go. But what I'd love for you to do is for you to come every Sunday for the next several weeks. And let's walk through this letter together. Oh, hey, by the way. Um, in November, we're going to launch a third service here at U-City because y'all are just so crowded out there, and I know it's getting packed. So, uh, so there's going to be three services at U-City uh, beginning in November, and that way you can stretch out a little bit. Somebody said amen. amen. We love our neighbors, but, yeah, you know, you know. Anyway. Um, all right. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, here we go. We're going to start in chapter 1, dive in, and then we'll, we'll break this out. Uh, He says this in verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Don't you just love the, like, that's just such a great way to open the letter. You know what? Can I just tell you, One Family Church, this is how I feel about One Family Church. The way the Apostle Paul felt about the Philippian church. I thank God every time I remember you. And I remember you pretty often because I'm here all the time. Uh, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers For all of you, I always pray with joy. There's a lot of alls in here. He's just saying, hey, everybody, I just love y'all. I think about y'all all the time. I'm praying for all of you, and I'm doing it all the time. Because, in verse 5, of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The Philippian church understood the assignment. The Apostle Paul said, I just want to thank you. Y'all are helping to spread and advance the gospel of Jesus. You're not just soaking it in. You're pouring it out. I want to thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Being confident of this, he said in verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Apostle Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains, he's writing this letter from prison, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Can you just feel the love from this, from this apostle to this church? I mean, he is just letting them know how much he loves them. And then he says in verse 9, and here's where we're going to focus today. This is my prayer. This is my prayer for you, he says. That your love, somebody say love. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern, somebody say discern, discern what is best, and that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. Righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory 
and the praise of God. This is a pastor that wants to see the church grow in three areas. He says, I want to see you grow in love. I want to see your your love abound more and more. I want to see you grow in wisdom. I want to see you be able to discern what is right and grow in knowledge and discernment and understanding. And I want you to grow in righteousness. I want you to grow in your ability and your willingness to do what God calls us to do. So so for the next few moments, I'm just going to preach this sermon called, I want to see you grow. I want to see you grow. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this letter. We thank you for each person that is hearing this letter spoken, your word spoken today. I pray that we, your church, would grow in heart, in mind, and in body. I pray that our heart would abound in love, that we would grow in our love for one another and for you. I pray that our wisdom would abound. I pray that we would grow in knowledge and discernment of you. I pray, Lord God, that our righteousness would grow, that we would grow in our actions and our behaviors, that we would be conformed into the image of your son, Jesus, in every aspect of our lives. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us grow. Help us grow. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So on on Thursday, September 21, at 3.08 a.m., Hallie Nyans, a member of our ministry council, the wife of Pastor Tyler Nyans, gave birth to an 8-pound, 18.5-inch baby girl named Lucy Hudson Nyans. Lucy Hudson Nyans was born. I feel like Lucy deserves a little better applause than that, somebody. (laughs) Lucy Hudson Nyans was born uh, just this last, last week. So be praying for the Nyans family. They're watching online right now. Now, I know, because I went and visited them, that, that after the birth, man, they were relieved, they were joyful, they were happy, they were, they were excited about this baby being born. But anybody who knows anything about babies, or anybody who's ever been around babies at all, knows that the work has just begun. I mean, the work has just begun. Right? This is... <laughs> he, he had twins recently. Amen. Because the birth is not the, the finish line. As much as we celebrate and enjoy that moment, it's a great moment. That's not the finish line. That's just the starting gate. That's when the growth actually begins to happen. And little baby Lucy, over the next you know, months and weeks and months and years, she's going to have to learn all kinds of stuff. She's going to have to learn to talk. She's going to have to learn to walk. She'll have to learn to brush her hair, brush her teeth. She's going to have to learn to read, math, all that kind of stuff. Whatever instrument or, or, or sport she wants to play or if she has any extracurricular activity, she's going to have to develop that, right? Because there's a, there's a long period of growth. And all of us, we just so intuitively know that about the birth of a child. But a lot of times we forget that when it comes to our spiritual life, it's the exact same thing. When we put our faith in Jesus, that's our birthday. That's the day of our birth. That's the beginning of the Christian life. That's not the finish line. A lot of times in the, in the church, we forget that. And we go, man, the person became a believer. And then we go, okay, cool. It's all good, right? No, no, no. That's just when we start. When the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church, he planted the church 10 years ago. And here he is 10 years later. And he's going, man, I just pray that you would grow. I just want to see you grow in your love. I just want to see you grow in your wisdom. I just want to see you grow in your righteousness. I just want to see your life abound more and more in following Jesus. Did you know 
that the entire Christian life is designed to make you and me more like Jesus. To be con- the scripture says to be conformed into the image of Christ. So, so everything that we do from the moment we say, Jesus, I'm following you. I repent of my sins and I'm going to follow you. From that moment forward, it's just a pure training experience. It's a growth time. From now until Jesus comes back, it's all about us growing. And here's what I know about you as a church, individually and, and collectively. If you didn't want to grow, you wouldn't be here. All of us long to grow. None of us want to be stuck spiritually. None of us want to be, want to be stuck in our emotional life, in our spiritual life, in our relationships with other people. We just don't want to. We want to, we want to grow. We want to grow in our wisdom. We want to grow in righteousness. We want to grow in love. So what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to take this passage that the Apostle Paul preaches, this prayer that he gives to the church, and he tells them, this is what I'm praying for you, and I want us to apply this to our lives and to One Family Church, because this is my prayer for you. My prayer for you and for me is that One Family Church, that we would grow. As we are exponentially growing, right, in terms of numbers of people, I want to see us grow as a church, grow into the image of Christ. I want us to be a church that is deeply rooted in Jesus. So let's go back to the verse, verse 9, and let's kind of walk through this prayer together. Philippians 1.9 says this. He says, this is my prayer that your love, somebody say love, that your love may abound more and more. If you're taking notes, just write this line down. I pray your love would grow. I pray that your love would grow. I, I spoke the other day, maybe a week or two ago, to a member of our congregation uh, his name's Mel. I don't know if y'all know Mel and Rhonda, but I was speaking to Mel, and he said, you know, Pastor, my wife and I, we've been together almost 50 years. We've been married almost 50 years. He said, and man, the truth is, I love her more than I did 50 years ago. He said, we're getting closer and closer every year that goes by. So I said, Mel, let me talk to you about this, man, because you might need to give a marriage seminar to some folks. I said, how does your love abound more and more? How does your love keep growing more and more over the course of 50 years. He, you know what he said? This is what he said. I love this. He said, well, it's like this, Pastor. This, and he, did, he demonstrated with his hands. He said, here's me. Uh, here's Rhonda. Okay? Here's Jesus. He said, the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to each other. He said, the more we go after Jesus, the closer we get to love each other. That'll preach right there. I should just close the sermon right there, somebody. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, I want to see you grow in your love. I want to see you drawn closer and closer to God. Because when you get closer and closer to Jesus, you get closer and closer to each other. When you start to love God more, you start to love your neighbor more. When you start to love God more, you love your spouse more. You love your friends more. You love your children more. You love your community more. You love your neighbors more. You love your enemies more. When you start to draw closer to Jesus. So the Apostle Paul says, I want to see your love abound. I want to see you grow. I want to see you strengthen in your love one for another. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we grow in love? All right? I'm going to give you three very quick truths about growing in love. You can write these down. Ready? Here they are. Repent, reflect, remember. Repent, reflect, remember. This is a teaching series. (laughs) Get ready. Get your pencils out, all right? Repent, reflect, remember. What's that mean? We cannot fall in love with Jesus until we are prepared to submit our life to Jesus. 
Until we say, Jesus, I'm repenting. I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my life. You can keep that slide up there. Repent, reflect, and remember. He said, I, when, we, when we repent, when we say to Jesus, I'm, I'm turning my life over to you, that's the beginning of your love relationship with God. All right? That's the beginning of you saying, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he takes me. That's number one. We repent. Number two is we reflect. The scripture says that, that we love him because he first loved us. So sometimes we need to pause and just look back at our life and go, man, while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. He loved me before I even loved him. He loved me when I was running from him. When I was not worthy of love, he loved me. So we reflect on his love for us. This helps us grow in our love. And the third way is we remember. The scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. And what David would always do in the Psalms, if you read the Psalms, he would reflect on and remember the, the, the faithfulness of God. I'll, I'll read you a Psalm. I, I don't have this on the slide. But he said this in Psalm 77. He said, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works. I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. He said, what God is as great as our God. So when we begin to reflect and remember and repent and start to focus our attention on God and focus our, our, our mind and our heart and our soul on God, he begins to draw us deeper into his love. So the question is, how do I know if I'm growing in love? How do I know if my love for God is getting deeper? The Apostle Paul wrote to a lot of churches, and one of the churches that he wrote to was a church in Corinth, and they were struggling with love. They were struggling with this one. So he wrote them a little letter, and he says, this is, this is how you know. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love is patient. Here's how you know. Here's how you know if you're growing in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. So the question for you and I to answer, if we're growing in love, the, the way we can know that is, am I, am I more patient than I was a year ago? Man, it's going to be so quiet. This whole series is going to be so quiet. Remember how much the pastor loved the congregation. Loves the congregation. Are, are, are you more patient? I'm, I'm asking myself this. Am I more patient than I was a year ago? If so, I'm growing in love. Am I kinder? Am I less envious? Am I less boastful? Am I less prideful? Are you less dishonoring? Are you less self-seeking? Are you less easily angered? Are you less prone to keeping a record of wrongs? If so, you are growing in love. Let's grow in love. Let's be a church that abounds in love. This is what I love about the way he put it. That word abound, it just means it's spilling out everywhere. There's just love pouring out everywhere. In other words, what he was saying is, this is a church that loves. I just want to see that love grow. I just want that love to spread. I want it to pour out all over this congregation. I want it to pour out into the community. I want God's love to pour out to a world that is full of anger and hatred and rancor and all of that polarization. I want this church to be known by its love. Jesus said, this is how people will know you're, you're my disciples, by your love one for another. He said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, I give you a new command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the Apostle Paul could end there. He could say, look, all I want you to do is grow in love. But he takes it a little deeper in this letter. In verse 9, he says this. He says, I pray your love would abound more and more. And then he's going to get into the, to the mind, to the knowledge. He says, more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, 
so that you may be able to discern what is, be- what is best. Another way of saying this is, I pray your wisdom would grow. So I want to see your love grow. I want, that's your heart. We're going to do heart, head, hands, okay? He said, I want to see your heart grow in love, but I also want to see your mind grow in wisdom. I want to see you grow in wisdom. The Bible describes three different types of people with respect to wisdom. Simpletons, fools, and wise people. We want to be number three, everybody. We want to be number three. Simpletons, fools, and wise people. So a simpleton is just somebody who doesn't know better because they're so new. They're naive. They're just wet behind the ears, so they don't even know better. And they shouldn't know better because they didn't have an opportunity to learn, okay? A fool is somebody who should know better. A fool is somebody who is too proud to learn. They don't want to learn, and so they shirk learning, and they don't want to learn, and so they become a fool. A wise person is somebody who humbles themselves beneath other wise people and learns from them and grows into becoming wise. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to grow in knowledge, and I want you to grow in discernment. I want you to grow in wisdom. I want you to be wise. I want you to grow into a wise person. Now, let me just distinguish between simpleton and, and, and fool. A simpleton just doesn't know better because they just they haven't learned yet. I'll give you a funny example. I might have told this story a while back. Several years ago, my, my family and I were on a train to Chicago. And my little, my little boy, Jameson, he was just a tiny little boy at that. He was probably like four years old. And he had a little brother, Lincoln. Lincoln was like two years old. And Lincoln was just like a little pudgy toddler, okay? And Jameson was on the train. And, you know, there's people sitting on the train. We've been on the train for a long time. Jameson goes over to this lady on the train and he just like stands right here in front of her and he just starts looking at her and he just smiles at her, okay? And she smiles back and, she, you know, she notices this kid is staring at her. So she goes, hi. And he goes, hi. And he's like really taking her in. He's really focusing on this, on this woman. She goes, how are you? And he goes, fine. She goes, oh, okay. You know, now she's like out of things to say because this little kid is just staring at her. And Jameson goes like this. He's four years old. He looks, points up at her like this. He goes... My little brother has a double chin just like yours. (laughs) I was like, Jameson, get over here right now. Um, He just didn't know better, okay? He was (laughs) one of my favorite things that he ever said. The lady was so gracious. She was like, okay, all right. I'm going to move to a different car, okay? Four years old. That's simpleton, right? Now, if at 14 he does that, I'm going to go, hey, man, that's foolish. All right, don't talk to people that way. So, 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 so that's the difference, right? So the question is, where are you on that scale? Where, where are you on that scale? Are we becoming wiser? Are we growing in wisdom? I'm going to give you 10 signs. You ready? Get ready for this one, y'all. I, I, I worked hard on this. 10 signs to know whether you're falling in the fool category. All right? These are 10 signs of a fool. Are you ready? Buckle up. Number one, you think you're wise. (laughs) Scripture says a fool is wise in his own eyes. Uh, You think you're wise. Number two, you don't need advice. Number three, you dislike authority. Number four, you speak more than you listen. Number five, you're easily offended. Number six, you meddle in other people's business. (laughs) Woo! How you doing at Shaw? You guys okay down there? Um, number, number, did I say number six, you meddle in other people's business? Okay, I said, okay, I wasn't sure. Okay, number seven, you obey your emotions. 
Number eight, you say everything you think. Number nine, you don't like this list. <laughs> and number 10, you think this list doesn't apply to you. Those are the 10 signs, 10 signs of a fool. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says, I want you to grow in wisdom. I want you to keep getting wiser. Why? Proverbs 3. Let me read this to you. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Blessed are those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. You know it's better to be wise than rich? She returns better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Let's grow in wisdom. Let's be a church that in an, in an era of, of insanity and foolishness is known for our wisdom. We make good, sound decisions. We walk after the path of Christ. We experience his peace. We experience his understanding. We've gained wisdom. How do I grow in wisdom? Ready? I'm going to give you three. Three more. Here, here we are. Write them down. Fear, hear, and follow. Fear, hear, follow. What's that mean? The scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's number one. Fear of the Lord just means, God, you're, you are in charge, not me. Because if I'm in charge, I'm going to make bad decisions. But if God's in charge, I'm going to, I'm going to make good decisions. I'm going to make wise decisions. That's the fear of God. That's fear. Here just means listen more than you speak. Put yourself in the company of wise people and then be quiet and just listen to them. I, I, one of my one redeeming leadership qualities is that I surround myself with people who are smarter and wiser than me. And I just love that, and then I, and then I listen. I want to have input from people who are wiser than me. That's here. And then number three is follow. In other words, do the thing that you were advised to do, right? Follow the advice of people who are wiser than you, and you will begin to grow in wisdom. Amen, somebody? All right, so we're growing in love. That's our heart. We're growing in wisdom. That's our mind. The third one is let's grow in righteousness. Let's grow with the work of our hands. Here's what the Scripture says. He says, this is my prayer, that you may be pure and blameless, pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That's the final part of the prayer. He's saying, I pray your righteousness would grow. I pray that your righteousness would grow. When I first became a follower of Jesus many years ago, I had three sudden emotions back to back when I put my faith in Jesus. The very first emotion that I experienced was absolute sheer joy of like, oh my God, I just, the Lord just drew me into his kingdom, just pulled me into his family. I am a follower of Jesus. And it was an overwhelming sense of joy and, and, and happiness. The second emotion came right on the heels of the first emotion. The second emotion was a sense of overwhelming shame because I went, oh my God. Like suddenly I realized the, all of the sin, all of the darkness, all of the decadence, all the depravity of my life. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm following Jesus, but, man, I've got, my life has been so messed up. I've failed in so many ways. That was number two. The third emotion was this wave of gratitude at God's grace. Because God says, listen, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I'm going to separate you from your sins. I have washed, you, I have washed your sins clean as snow. I have washed them whiter than snow. You are free now. Now, we're going to start walking in righteousness. 
right? I'm going to start leading you. I'm going to start growing you. I'm going to start developing you in righteousness. It didn't flip overnight, y'all. It, t- it, t- it, it takes time to grow in righteousness. You start to get a little stronger. You st- start to grow a little more blameless, a, a, a little more righteous. And, and the Lord leads you in that. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying to this church, I want to see you grow in righteousness. He actually wrote to another church to explain what that looked like. What was unrighteous and what was righteous. The, the letter to the Galatians, he wrote this. He said the acts of the flesh, these are the unrighteous acts, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and stuff like that. He said all the bad stuff. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's where I want you to go. He said this, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness faithfulness and gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to christ jesus he says have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit he said i want you to start to grow in righteousness now if you're like me you're going to ask the same question that we asked about growing in love and, and, and and growing in wisdom how do i grow in righteousness how, how do I grow in righteousness? Because I, I'm going to tell you this. I know that all of you long to grow in righteousness. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a true follower of Jesus, you want to grow in righteousness. You really do. You want to sin less. <laughs> and you want to do righteous acts more. You, that's what you want. But how do I do that? Because sometimes I take a step forward and then I take two steps back. Here's what he says. Look, look what he said in the letter. He said, this is my prayer that you may be pure and blameless. Now, look at this part. Filled with the fruit of righteousness, where does it come from? That comes through Jesus Christ. The righteousness that you are going to grow in is not simply by your effort. It is the fruit of righteousness. It's the outcome, the produce of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. So you say, okay, then how do I grow in righteousness? I'm not going to give you three. I'm just going to give you one. Ready? Write this down. Abide. Abide. Do you know you become like the company you keep? You know you start to take on the attitudes of the people that are around you? The more time you're with Christ, the more time you're in his presence, the more time you're spending in silence and solitude and prayer and scripture, the more time you're coming and worshiping together with your church family on a weekly basis, the more time you're engaged in a small group and you're and you're learning the Bible and, and sharing with one another and caring. The more time you're with Christ, the more time you're abiding in Christ, the deeper your relationship with his spirit grows in you. And then the fruit of that is righteousness. It just starts to pour out of you. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Right? The more time you're connected to me, the more of my fruit comes out of you. The, the, you will bear much fruit when you are connected to me. He says, aside from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're striving... And fighting to be righteous on your own. Good luck. It's hard work. It's very, very difficult work. Jesus says, abide in me and you will grow in the fruit of righteousness. I'm about to close on this. Here's here's what I love about this passage. Because in this passage, as a good pastor does, the Apostle Paul encourages us to grow in these various facets of our life. To grow in love to grow in wisdom, 
to grow in righteousness, which is what we're all called to do as Christians, right? But he also knows that it is very difficult for us to do that on our own. He knows that we will strive and we will fight and we will struggle and we will work to try to get where God is wanting us to go. And, and, and we will keep coming up short. We will keep coming up against failure over and over again. But remember how he started the letter. Here's what he said. Remember how he started this in verse 6. He said, I am confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Wait, who began the good work in you? Jesus began the good work in you. He's going to carry it on to completion. You've got to participate, but he's going to carry it on. He's going to do the work. He's going to grow it in you as long as you're aligned with him, as long as you're connected with him. He is a power source outside of you that will help you grow into the image of him. Can I get a witness this morning? God will do the work inside of you. My last illustration. Yesterday, um, I was riding my bike over in Forest Park, and there's a tall hill going south on Skinker. I don't know if you ever walked that hill or rode that hill, but man, it's a tall hill and it's a long hill. And I was riding my bike as fast as I could because there was... This, is a, this might be my own uh, pride here. But whenever I see a bike up in front of me, I try to catch that bike. <laughs> there was a bike, you know, maybe 100 yards ahead of me on the hill. And I could just see that this person shouldn't be able to go as fast as me. Let me just, I just felt that in my spirit. <laughs> Lord, just take the pride out of this man. Humble. She, she was older than me. She, she didn't seem as healthy as me. And I just thought, I'm going to catch her on my bike. So I'm riding my bike as fast as I can. And I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just working so hard on that bike. I am. But I cannot catch her. And I'm looking at her pedals. And I'm looking at my pedal. And like she's just it's easy going. It's like pedaling nice and easy. It's like a cruiser. It wasn't even a fast road bike. It had the big wide tires. It's just, she's just easing on up the hill. I am sweating. I am dying over here. I'm, ex- I'm like, my heart is pounding. I'm trying to catch her, and I can't catch her, and it's clear she's not working as hard as me. We finally get to the top of the hill. She slows down, and I catch up to her. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And then I look. She's got one of those electric bikes. I am dead serious, y'all. And I'm like, you know what? She got up this hill faster than me because she had a power source outside of herself that was helping her get up this hill. She wasn't even having to pedal that hard because there was a power source attached to her life taking her up the hill. I'm pedaling my little wheels off and I can't catch her. Can I tell you, there's a power source attached to your life that will get you where you need to go. And you don't have to pedal that hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Get up under my yoke, walk alongside of me, and I'll do the heavy lifting. Church, can I just encourage you, can I just inspire you today to put your your heart, your life under the yoke of Jesus Christ and let him carry you as he grows you in love, as he grows you in wisdom, as he grows you in righteousness. My prayer would be that in a world full of vitriol and anger and hatred and all of that stuff, one family church is going to be a church known for its love. Known for its love. In a world full of folly and foolishness, one family church is going to be known for our wisdom. 
We're going to be sound, wise individuals, a church community. In a church full of, or in a world full of moral relativism, depravity, one family church will be known for its righteousness. Why? Because we're following Jesus. We're up under his load. We're up under his yoke. He's taking us where he wants us to go. He's conforming us into the image of Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that you would help us grow as a church. As you are growing us in numbers, deepen our relationship with you. Deepen our love for you. Deepen our love for one another. Deepen our love, Lord God, for the community around us. Deepen our love even for those who oppose us. Help us to grow in love. Just like the Apostle Paul teaches, help us to grow in love. Help us to grow in wisdom. Help us to make sound and wise decisions. Help us to be known for people who are good and righteous and and, and sound in our thinking. And then, Father, help us to grow in our righteousness. Help us to grow in our actions, in our ability, Lord, to follow your teaching, your will, and your way. And I pray, Lord God, that you would fill us with your spirit. Let these growth experiences just be the fruit of our relationship with you. Let us be filled by your presence. Let us be filled with your love. Let us overflow with the growth that you have for us. Let us be attached to you like the branches to the vine. And let us grow in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen.